June has arrived, and with it comes E3. Game announcements, update announcements, expansion announcement, interviews, leaks, trailers, excitement abounds! So we're just chilling. Grab your coffee, tea, or other beverage of choice, find a spot at the lounge, and let's just chill. Welcome to the Music Arcade. Hello everyone, welcome back to Music Arcade, where we're going to be talking about our favorite game music. I'm Galen, the sound guy, Firestone. I'm Ronico. Hello. And I'm Maddie, and you can find me very far from the lounge, because it's a pandemic out there. I'm fully vaccinated now, I actually went out into the world for the first time, uh, in a Good. very long time for no reason the other day. It was nice. Get my two appointments for job uh, next Monday. Third jab? First jab. First jab. I'm like, third? There's a three-shot solution now? Yikes. Well, congrats on your part. Actually, <laughs> there is one, because Brazil has two vaccines, and one of them was so badly developed that they discovered it has a 25% uh, <laughs> effect. So people need a third dosage. Good job. Go uh, us. All the more reason to have some nice tunes to relax to. No... Kidding. Nice segue. Thank you. Um, well, Eddie, take it away. This is your bad boy on the subject of lounging and not lounging. Yeah, despite me being deathly afraid of lounges right now, this song is perfect for a lounge. It really is. It's the main theme to the game The Saboteur by Christopher Young. And I think Ranakel might be just too busy laughing his ass off that I just tried to pronounce that word. Um, mm, no, that, that's yeah, fine. That's... I, it's also an English word. Yeah, saboteur is it's, it's a loan word. Um, yeah. Also, kind of funny, the game was developed by Pandemic. Yes. I kind of want that, that mask they have. It seems more useful than, than the face masks I use. You know, the one from their logo. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. God, I miss Pandemic, and God, I love this game. God, I love this song. It's a great this song. The soundtrack was amazing. So, just to double check. Hmm. Uh, this is a game that happens uh, during the German occupation uh, in the Second World War. Yes. Uh, it happens in France, and I'm the only one out of us three that hasn't played it. Good job, though you probably would kind of dislike it, because despite it being largely about the French Resistance, the main character is Irish. Ah, I see. Proceed with Mr. Saboteur. Yeah, yeah the, the main character is Irish, and the, the songs that you, that you can listen on the radio in cars are mostly from the US, I think. Uh, yeah, one of them is by Nina Simone, in fact. Yeah, I was going to say, there isn't even any accordion that I noticed. No, um, a, couple a lot of might have a lot of the tracks are largely lounge music. Like you get a lot of that. Mm. Um, in fact, the opening scene is in a cabaret. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it starts uh, outside of of France because the dude is a uh, former race car uh, racer. Well, at the time the game itself takes a lot of um, a lot of cues from war movies from the 50s and 40s, including like Casablanca, which, yes, the war is there, but it's not actually the main focus. It's usually about this more personal journey, and in this guy's case, that involves a series of pulpish adventures, including his race car driving career, which he continues even while fighting the Nazis. It's 
actually like a shockingly effective story if you're not expecting a straight war story. And I think the music really plays into that. And I think this song really sets that tone because it's not like the military march you kind of think of. And it's also uh, the game starts entirely in black and white and it, you get more colors there as you liberate uh, yeah. parts of France, of Paris, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, and the, yes, actually France, but the French map is like 80% Paris and 20% coastline. So. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Uh, so yeah, the the very jazzy, loungy soundtrack kind of fits also in the sense that it, it has a very strong film noir vibe. It does. Oh, absolutely. Um, the game is very film noir. Like, uh, when you boot it up, the only colors you can see other than black and white are red from uh, Nazi uh, flags and from blood splatters. So it kind of feels like uh, the Sin City comics. That's not entirely true. Movie. And I know this because there is an option in the menu to turn nudity off. And if you do, the topless dancers will get these bright blue nipple pasties. Oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I guess that's the same amount of colors as Mad World, then. Which has black, white, red blood splatters. And a bit of yellow for the walling bands and the likes. Nice. Yeah, no, um... It's also game... the furthest things uh, from a relaxing soundtrack. Yes. Um, okay, I've got to talk about this, because this was hilarious. I... Actually, you get yelled at in the menu by the main character if you turn nudity off. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually like, you could just go to confession, and then you turn it back on, he's like, woohoo! Like, oh god... Uh, I love this little detail. Uh. Oh, man. Uh, now, I have a question. So there's a lot of relaunch music. Do any of it play during the action, or is it only for the parts while you're supposed to do things like driving peacefully or it's, being in a safe it's house? It's safe houses. Sorts? The action, the okay. action sequences are more traditional orchestral. Yeah. That's what I assume, because that wouldn't really make sense to illustrate, say, a satisfaction part. Yeah. If I recall correctly, uh, when the game begins, like, at the beginning of the story of the game, uh, the character is kind of homeless, and he lives uh, in the backstage of a... Uh, what do you call of it? Of a cabaret, yeah. A cabaret. So, mm -hmm. uh, at the cabaret, he has more uh, cabaret-like rather than jazz, if I recall Yeah, correctly. but then that's but more diegetic, that. so... Yeah. Yeah, and they the, have an excuse. The use of jazz also is very diegetic, so either uh, in a car radio, and only on cars that have radios, so not the race cars, mm -hmm. if I recall correctly, and it plays from actual radios within the resistance yep. uh, hideouts. Correct. It's not, like, playing as... A soundtrack it plays from the in-game radio. Makes sense. Except for the main theme, of course. The main theme is... Oh, oh yeah, I mean, that's, that's the menu theme, so of course. And I, I... I don't have too much else to say. It's just... It gets the vibe really well. It's very suave. Like It's kind of the opposite of what the main character is. The main character is a hot-headed Irish drunkard and this track is very very suave very collected yeah i'm not really thrilled about the politics of an ira bomber blowing up nazis because that's like 
weird, but... Yeah, the enemy of my enemy isn't always my friend. Yeah, but if you can, like, get past that, it actually... Again, I really, really, really enjoy this game and this story, and I think it is... I think it's super good. Um, I, I, I wish this company had a chance to make more. They made the two Mercenaries games, they made this one, and then that was the end. And I'm just like, all of their games were so much fun. And it was just those three open-world kind of GTA knockoffs with their own, like, twist to them. And it just worked so yeah, well. Yeah, very interesting conceptual twist, too. Yeah. Yeah, I like to describe Saboteur to other people as sort of like, um... Uh, in Assassin's Creed fan base, you get a lot of people going. Oh, we want something more modern. Maybe if they, uh, if they could do something in uh, World War Two, Saboteur is that except really the is. whole sci-fi part of things. You can climb around. You can liberate parts of the town. Very, very freeing. Oh, there's a sci-fi part of the game as well. I don't want to spoil it, but it takes some cues from Indiana Jones at one point. That's pretty funny. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. True. So it's not like the animus from... No, Assassin's you're not Creed. dealing with Desmond or anything like that. I Yeah. Screw Desmond. But eventually, even Assassin's Creed gave up on him. Kinda. Kinda. Uh, don't want to spoil anything, but he, he's not away from the franchise. Yeah. That's beside the point. Yeah, that's not really the point of what we're talking about. No, I... I, I would love more in this vein. Uh, in fact, I almost got into one of the Ghost Recon games entirely because it reminded me of Mercenaries. And I'm just like, oh. Alright, I, I think... Thinking we've... about the theme itself, one last thing to maybe conclude on it... Sure. ...is that uh, on top of the fact that I could immediately discern that it's for the most safe environments and to help you cool down from the action... Yep. Uh, it also serve to situate you in time, which I think, uh, I mean, looking at the rest of the track, a lot of the other tracks seems to be for place-focused, and this one is more time-focused on the, the way it transports you. I think that's fair. And I think, um, again, I think it's just one of the one of the things about it that just works so well. As you said, you took one listen to this and you just got it. And I think there's something to be said, like, a lot of the times we talk about more fanciful stuff, but there's something to be said about just having on-the-nose music. Like, this is yeah, exactly. exactly what you're trying to do, and you did it. Congratulations. Really can't hate that too much. Exactly. Now then, uh, it was mentioned before that this track and its calm tone uh, kind of clashed with the main character. Yeah. Next is then a track that's, uh, unlike what I just said, more of a character piece. And it is made to fit the character's attitude to a T. It is Godot's theme from Phoenix Ray Trials and Tribulation. Uh, more specifically, the uh, Aaron, from the Orange album Turnabout Jazz Soul, which just fits that theme in particular 100%. The fragrance of dark coffee. 
Yeah, I never, I never got to play uh, any of the Ace Attorney games. Actually, uh, I I played a clone of it for that uh, they made for the Harvey Birdman uh, Adult Swim cartoon. And I played a Flash uh, version that. of it where they were talking philosophy instead of law. Yeah, uh, but the actual Ace Attorney I've never played, so I, I came in blind as Same. usual. Uh, that's uh, kind of ironic, given that the character in question is, uh, I mean, he has this big visor in kind of like Cyclops in front of his face because uh, he lost most of his vision. So he's the one with the sacks on the cover art? Correct. Yeah, I, I really like this song. Like, I, I've played it a couple times in the background today. Uh, really, really neat. Uh, I like that it kind of has most of it does have that sort of uh, cafe feel to it. Like, you can yeah. almost start listening, can almost start hearing uh, the clinking of glasses and mugs and the chatter in the background sometimes. It's not in the music, but you can start hearing it. Or from the way most people use this music, the rain falling on the window. Because that, it was a very popular combination for a while. That actually brings me to the other feel that I got uh, on the first uh, section with the sax. The sax comes in and out and it's not present through the entirety of the song. Right. But yeah. the, the first section with the sax uh, kind of had a noir feel to me, like like the Saboteur theme. Uh, Saboteur theme. Uh, it sort of sounded a bit darker than the the preceding instrumentation, but still fits really well. Really, really well made song. It is. It's very good, and uh, it's it serves a purpose as well in the game uh, to establish the character in a way, because uh, he's a character from the third game in the original Ace Attorney trilogy. Mm-hmm. And he's a new guy, and given that uh, the relationship be- between your main character and the prosecution, which is the opposing party, uh, is uh, very special, uh, it's easy to see a newcomer and immediately think, look at who is this chump, give me back Edgeworth, give me back Francisca von Karma. Uh, and then this guy comes in with a that theme while drinking a cup of coffee instead of talking to you for the first couple of minutes. And everybody else is hyping him up. Uh, and there's this music, which is his theme, that builds up to that suave attitude. And so it kind of builds up this big deal, which is an escalation from the previous prosecutors, which were big deals on their own mind, uh, on their own level, except for the tutorial guy, of course. But then he opens his mouth and he mentions that I've never lost a trial. Well, this is technically your first trial. That's right. And because I've never won a trial, I simply have never lost a trial either. Oh, dear. And immediately like that, Pretty much everything, including the absolute 
beautiful centerpiece roughness of this theme helps building up to this establishing joke that have this kind of grudge that this character has towards your character along with some goofiness like it's a grudge like I mentioned but not as malicious as some of the other characters which are much more outwardly aggressive and I really like that it's a, a song that uh, um, really serves the character, the situation, and that comes back up pretty regularly. Especially after he objects to completely block all of the arguments you've tried to make. And given that how in most of the situation things go panicky and ta -ta 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 here it's okay, we're going to stop you're saying something stupid, let me tell you why once I finish my 27th cup of coffee. You know, your description of this character explains so much why he's the only guy with a trench coat on top of a white suit on that cover art. I know. He tries so hard to look cool. Oh yeah. Meanwhile, Edgeworth on the left doesn't even have to try. And Phoenix on the right has no hope to succeed. <laughs> those, those seagulls aren't helping him. Of course. Anyway, that's about all I've wanted to say on this track. A bit of a character piece, which is unusual again, but um, it does uh, build this relaxing theme, um, even out of its context. It's just nice to sometimes uh, uh, get yourself in a corner and listen, and give it a listen. Yeah. Well then, shall we move on to? Operation Cinder's Menu Feet. Okay, so I'm an Arknights player. We know this. This is not new information. And recently we've had the newest contingency contract, which is the most stressful time in this video game. It is an incredibly difficult, incredibly high pressure, incredibly just, like, peer pressure event because of the uh, risk mechanics. And... Increasing your challenge accordingly, and everyone's competing with each other on a personal level. It's 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 tough and it's stressful, and usually the music straddles towards alternative rock. And I think CC One was actually like flat out new metal. Um, so when this one happened, and the menu theme was like this super chill, almost chant that reminds me in no small way of Battlestar Galactica's opening music, I was kind of incredibly shocked and felt the need to share it. Yeah, like, the way you're talking about what happens around this music, it sounds like you uh, have uh, runs you into the levels where it's, I must bring the maximum risk, get this tension up to the maximum, panic, 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 ah, why does my defense have so many holes? And then it comes to the music, and you being offered a uh, 
a free yoga lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it says a lot. Okay, so there's this series of animations uh, in the Arknights community. Whenever a CC comes up, someone does an animation involving the main players playing the uh, stage theme or menu music and the doctor being unable to sleep. Item one, due to reasons <laughs> that we won't talk about this time, there is no stage music. It's just reusing stage music from an event. Um, so instead, this animator decides to throw in a long fall from FF14 as the music. Um, <laughs> with the four characters you primarily use in this as, uh, as the players. But then, this song starts playing after that, and the Doctor's actually asleep. And it kind of ends the joke, which makes me a little sad, because... I kind of love these little animations. They're adorable. Um, well, that makes Contingency Contract 4 a mystery, then. It does. It does, because you had, like, CC0... I forget what CC0 song was. CC1 was the new metal one, and that was designed to, like, pump you up and get you ready to go into the stage and do a thing. And then hmm. CC2's was kind of like this, like, determined uh, determination... Uh, alternative rock that was actually like shockingly good and I've been getting back into that one lately mostly because that video came back around and then there's this third one which is like alright we're just going chill now um now one thing I really like listening to it is that uh, there is these uh, long notes and uh, these uh, almost Aquatic sounding atmosphere at the at the start, that yeah. in the maybe third or middle of the track uh, starts moving more towards something more sci-fi, with the background and uh, yeah. which builds up to uh, as much of a climax and slow down as a chill track like this one can get away with. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be honest, I actually selected this track before I heard the whole thing. I didn't realize this was a four minute track because, like, you're only going to be on that menu for about 30 seconds at a time. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and that's if you take your time and go to the shop and buy stuff and go to the metals and double check what metals you still need to get, so on and so forth. Um... So I haven't actually heard that much of the song. So hearing the synth pad and the song even ramp up a little bit was actually a surprise to me when I listened to it all the way through. I think that mixture of the very uh, soft vocals with the the sci-fi-esque synths that get sort of darker sounding is what reminded me a, a little bit of uh, Jesper Kidd's work. Because he was known for having done that on Assassin's Creed 2 yeah. and the Hitman franchise a little bit. Mostly the Assassin's Creed. You know what? I hadn't Which actually thought of that, but you're right. That That's actually... This is definitely a Jesper Kid inspired... Actually, I now I need to talk about it. So, um, yeah, this was definitely inspired by someone else. But unfortunately, there was a bit of a problem with that. Uh, you see, the reason there's no stage oh, music oh. is that Hypergriff had to pull it after it discovered the composer plagiarized it. Oh, boy. Um, so this song taking inspiration from someone else, assuming it's the same composer, which it may or may not be, is not really surprising. Um, and this is just a matter of hypergriff, um, just not vetting their composers well enough, because this particular composer was actually very negative about Arcanites even before they got hired, and actually apparently huh. plagiarized the song on purpose just to troll hypergriff. That much, huh? 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> Big oof. Yeah. So the fact that this is inspired by someone else is actually kind of actually kind of un yeah. unsurprising. Um, then again, uh, I mean, we each have uh, our own... Uh, oh, this reminds me of that. I believe Neo Tomara was mentioned before. There's Jasper uh, Kid. There's this. I'm even getting some small ambient vibes of uh, something like uh, maybe with different a different timber of voice, but kind of ghost in the shell-ish as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. And, uh, like, the fact that there is uh, inspirations and things this reminds us of isn't at all a red flag in itself. That other track is. Yeah. Um, they're being inspired there's, and there's copying There's nothing new under the things. sun. Like, everything is inspired yes. by something being exactly. inspired by is not a problem i'm i'm never going to claim well yeah that's the same thing no that that doesn't matter it depends on how well you do something and how interesting what you, the new creation you make is um exactly. there is a line of just flat out ripping off another song and that's what the stage music did which is why it doesn't exist and why we're just getting music from dark knight's memoir event which the enemies are based on I mean, if we thought uh, original creations only, we wouldn't even talk about arranged tracks like we did several times before already. Yeah. And we're probably going to talk about the full arranged albums at some we... point. Exactly. But you know, that track uh, really has uh, an interesting feel that... Uh, uh, especially in contrast with uh, what may come around, and I think that's interesting in itself, that it really seems to lean on providing relief, in a way. Yeah, and I think that's helpful, honestly, especially since this is easily the hardest uh, contingency contract yet. Like... It's having very, that chill response to the absolute craziness that is the actual stage is very welcome. Yeah, it's a, it's a very comforting sort of ambiance that it provides. And it's very elaborate too, honestly. One of the things I was kind of worried about uh, uh, coming into this topic is uh, having some tracks that was like uh, someone would say, this is so relaxing and I'm listening to the track and it's like three notes I, uh, none of the track really fit that worry like the way say um, the Spiral Abyss theme from Genshin Impact uh, would for instance is a pretty relaxing track which is uh, slow but is also utterly uninteresting for a place where you spend so much time and such a tense action into Like, there's a place for Khan, and there's a way to make it work that's more than just a slow tone and a low volume. Yeah. Um, 
A song to me still has to be interesting, and I don't really get into like I don't like ambient music, so to speak, largely for that reason. I need a hook. I need a melody. And you can absolutely have engaging, interesting, but chill music. Like one does not preclude the other. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Meanwhile, I'm the guy with the playlist on Spotify called Sleeping Pills that is mostly just that, <laughs> ambient music. You would what? hate it. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving on. Moving on to the next track. Sounds good. Right. Well, uh, let's move on to something that's still very much active this day. To something that's uh, more ancient, but also pretty legendary, which is Chrono Trigger. Took us long enough to talk about one of these tracks. Yeah, no kidding. Um, A game that's somehow sci-fi and yet less sci-fi than the other track we've mentioned, despite the entire plot being about time travel. <laughs> yeah, but that makes entire sense because it's in, in uh, 600 AD. Well, 600 That's AD the... of that world, like, let's yes. be clear here, this isn't exactly Earth we're dealing with, and 1000 AD, their technology is like 1950s real world, so... Yes, and but yet there's the most powerful like... weapon is the katana. I mean, of course. Yeah, Japanese hero. Is that even remotely surprising? Japanese hero no, but it's a, in an Akira Toriyama no, game. Like, of course they're going to be generic. That's what they do. It's not surprising, but it makes for a good joke. Fair. Anyway, the first time you hear this track, uh, I think what's the most striking is to note the subtle differences between where, or more accurately, when you landed, and when you're coming from. The character, through uh, a bit of an accident, uh, ends up traveling 400 years in the past, uh, but in the same area. So you go to the world map, it's very similar in its structure, the towns are in the same place, the forests are in the same place, and but there's much more mist and this track which is pretty different from the other track and is very contemplative it's very calm as well yeah i think a big a big part of it for me is that uh the present time in the game uh a thousand years ad yes is very bright very colorful and when you go back to 600 AD, uh, everything is sort of darker. Uh, Muted is the word you're looking for, and that's an excellent observation. Yeah, both darker and muted, I, I would say, and this track uh, sort of adds to that whole melancholy you feel as you see the map. Yes, because at this point you don't know how to get back yet, so maybe you're stuck in a different world for the rest of your life. Not just a different world, but one that has none of the tech that your character is used to. Right. Yes, exactly. And you're kind of lost at this point. The mist plays into it, uh, but it could be uh, blurry, but 
in an odd way the track is uh, particularly clear at times like if you want to uh, add something that's uh, misty in consistence musically uh, you go for things like long violins uh, or uh, st strings, rubbed strings in particular and they use that a lot for sure but the hook the first thing you hear when you actually reach the map is some pizzicato, yep. which is the opposite of that. And that's interesting. Yeah, it's a very textured song. Um, it, I mean, it's it's considered a long-term favorite. Uh, it's considered a long-term favorite for a reason, right? Like, it's yes. it's kind of one of these classic tracks that I think most, most gamers, especially most RPG gamers, are at least going to know, like, in the back of their mind. They've heard it somewhere, I'm sure. Exactly. Um... And I think it, uh, I think it says a lot that, um, just how well this is composed, even on the Super Nintendo hardware. Like, this sounds yes. really good for Super Nintendo hardware. Yeah, I, at first when it came to the music selection, I wanted to uh, pick uh, one that I listen every now and then, which is a live uh, arrangement performance uh, with, uh, I think it's two strings and a synth but then I just uh, won't ask myself how does the original sound and yeah no it's yeah it serves my purpose uh, and uh, every argument I'd ever have for this track uh, works better here yeah um again it's just amazing what they were able to come up with on this hardware and just how talented Yasunori Mitsuda is and continues to be. Um, I think the entire soundtrack was really, really good at sort of capturing the sounds of uh, acoustic instruments using the SNES uh, limitations. Yeah. I remember yes. the, the organs from the church yep. uh, also being very lifelike for the chipset. Well, organ pads are relatively simple. Um, like as as synth instruments go, organ pads are kind of a are kind of a um, predictable frequency range. Like horns are where things get bad. Like you almost never hear a good like horn sample. It's just yeah, so this, hard yeah. to get right. I think uh, super nice horn are pretty much in my mind a different instrument. On their own, like yeah. when you think of things like even the Final Fantasy Victory fanfare, mm -hmm. uh, it's very much Nintendo horn and not horn horn. Correct. Um, uh, I think one of the uh, factors that helps the musical fidelity and the technical prowess of getting squeezing this kind of music into a Super Nintendo cartridge is that it's ultimately a pretty late game in the Nintendo life cycle. It's from 1995. I mean, it was released here in 1995 at least. Yeah, and it's like right before the N64 hit and audio fidelity went way up. Exactly. So at this point, you've got experience with the hardware. You know how to squeeze what you want out of it. Uh and reach the kind of capacity which, that was promised at the early days of the Super Nintendo where they did things like 
release a tracer and release a symphonic album that says, here is what you're going to listen, kind of, sort of, don't worry about it. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely have come far. But I mean, that's, that's true in just about every, every scenario up until recorded music became the norm. And then it stopped being about the technology largely because the technology exactly. had kind of peaked. Because now you can just, you can just do in a sequencer 128 synth tracks and make them sound exactly perfect, and then just record it down to an Og Vorbis and send it to the uh, audio engineer, and you're done. Yeah, it's like printers for most intents and purposes. It's a solved technology. Yeah. But back in the day before uh, that happened, man, the things that you could get away with, the things that you could make yeah. work in this. Uh, in this time frame. And again, just how wonderful the Chrono Trigger soundtrack sounds, despite being like six or seven, I think it was actually, no, I think it was actually eight channels of MIDI. Like, this is all programmed music. And they made it work so well. Yeah. Um, I think it they... was eight channels, but a couple of them were for sound effects or something? That's the Nintendo era. That was four channels, and one of them one of them doubled as a sound effects channel. I think right. the Super Nintendo had like, it's. I think the protocol, the broadcast standards, literally had a specific number of music channels, and then dedicated sound effects channels to prevent having to duck parts of the music out for sound effects, like was in the NES. Fair enough. Yeah, and do things like have a Mega Man shoot in a way that pauses the music when this happens. Yeah, I mean, like, just listen to Mario 1 and what happens when Mario jumps. You can hear you can hear part of the music go away whenever that happens. Even Metroid, where the soundtrack was very diegetic, uh, if you shoot, mm -hmm. part of it goes away. Yeah, and that's just because of the hardware limitations, and obviously the Super Nintendo had a lot more, like, room to do things, but I believe they actually, like, in Nintendo's, like, broadcast standards, they're like... These audio channels are used just for sound effects. These audio channels are used just for music. Have fun. Um, yes, we know we made sure that have fun. He did. He did. Um, that man is a wizard. He is. And then you get to the next phase of that career. And you go to his next major soundtrack, the sequel to Chrono Trigger, which would be Chrono Cross... And now all of a sudden you have a ridiculous amount of channels because now we're at 32-bit processing and recorded audio has started to become a thing because this is post-One-Winged uh, Angel. Uh, I'm sorry, I think uh, by sequel to Chrono Trigger you mean Radical Dreamers. It's a sequel, it's not the direct sequel. Chill. I'm not doing this pedantic nonsense with you right now. I'm not having this conversation. Moving on to talk about music and not what you think the preferred sequel is. Schmuck. <laughs> Look, I didn't bait you with what we talked about before. I had to bait you with something equally egregious. Fine. I'm just here for the I, ride, book. Uh, rage. <laughs> Rage and anger, I say. Where was I? Right, you know what? We need some chill music, so let's talk about chill music so we can chill out and I can stop being angry at you for being a pedant. <laughs> um, An insincere pedant at that. Yeah. Yeah. You were you were doing the whole like let's troll for the lulls thing. Um oh, I'm glad this game has a good soundtrack. 
Yeah. Um, I'm a sucker for a good guitar line. And this one just starts with a really great, very chill, just plucked guitar line. It's so soft. It is. It's Which nice. Which generally isn't the kind of adjective you associate with a guitar, but... No, but it kind of just shows how versatile yeah. that instrument can be. I mean, everyone just, at this point, associates guitar largely with rock music, which is obvious because it's one of the primary instruments, but, like, it could do like, so in much. In a way, the piano is more percussive than the guitar in this one. Which is good. I mean, piano is yeah. actually a percussion instrument, not that anyone actually yes, thinks of that. Yes, of course. Mm, true. But... It just... This one just has a flow to it that I've always appreciated, and it's just one of those songs that I can just lean back and chill out about. Yeah. It just makes you want to t take a long chair and look at the sea uh, in the sunset. Yeah? Something like that. Yeah. And I think that's the best kind of chill music. Like, as I said, it's not like this is devoid of a melody. It's not like this is devoid of texture. But it's definitely... Very much the opposite. Yeah. No, it's got a great hook. It's got a great melody line. It's just a really just nice song that really fits the bill. But it's also, yeah. like, super hollable and super memorable. And again, Yasunori Mitsuda's awesome. He continues to be awesome. I still need to play Xenoblade 2. Why haven't I done this yet? Yeah, why haven't you done this yet? Time is the it's real It's an answer. excellent game. I mean, it's a very stupid game as well. But... Oh, I'm sure. Let's not get into that. Yeah, that's not really the relevant factor here. But it is, like, Yasunori Mitsuda's newest soundtrack, even if it's a collaboration with Ace Plus and... There was someone else on that list. There was a third composer. Um, That doesn't really matter. I mean, we're just kind of showing just how good Mitsuda continues to be. And while he's not in that Yoshitaka Hirota camp of I really wish he would do more, I really do kind of wish he would do more. Like, I, I, I've never heard bad... I've never heard a bad soundtrack out of this guy. I've heard bad individual songs, but never a bad soundtrack. Yes. Um, and this this song is... You know, it's it's still very different from what we heard in Chrono Trigger, that's for sure. Yes. But it it's... still just shows just how masterful he is. I think uh, Chrono Cross uh, sounded uh, actually more folky, I would say, than Chrono Trigger, which was a bit more unnecessarily orchestral, but a bit more grandiose, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, the compositions. Uh, Chrono Cross, even when it uses uh, an, elect an electric guitar, sounds pretty folky, pretty... Uh, not always chill, but more earthy, I guess, is a way of putting it. Mm -hmm, yeah. Like... I mentioned that a little bit... Wait, no, I can't say that because that part would be cut. Uh, I was thinking recently about Stardew Valley as well for one of the truck candidates. And this music would feel in that kind of game, honestly. You can see it. Whereas... Uh, uh, even Winsing wouldn't, I'd argue. Yeah, I, I think that one's also too melancholic for such a such a game. This one is just relaxing, just just chill. 
Yeah. Kind of has a bit hey. of a warm sound to it, even. Head empty, just me to that. Pretty much. I don't really have anything... Addition... I don't really have anything to add to that. It just sort of clicks as a song in all the right ways. Yeah, I mean, the... Most of the Chrono Cross OST kind of has this quality where if you... If I haven't listened to tracks from it in years. I listened to the first hook and it all come back to me. Yeah. And I have played Chrono Cross like once and I basically rushed it without caring about getting any of the 5 million characters in there or anything. How and dare I, you. I don't really remember most of what happens in there, but the soundtrack... I kind of say at this point that the soundtrack to me is bigger than the game it's attached to. I would, I would more or less agree with that. I'm, I'm a lot more forgiving of Chrono Cross than some people, though I will admit it's a fairly flawed game. But I thought it was a fine yeah. one. Um, yes. I guess my primary issue with it, if anything, um. Is that as you said, the soundtrack does does eclipse it in no small way because it is a legendary soundtrack for a reason, and I I wish people would put it on the same pedestal as Chrono Trigger because it is worth it. Yeah, I'd say for Chrono Trigger, the thing is that the soundtrack is legendary, but so is the game, and they kind of stand toe to toe. Yeah, I I think in Chrono Trigger, the soundtrack complements the the game. In Chrono Cross, it eclipses the game. I, no, I wouldn't be that harsh. I wouldn't, I be, wouldn't that harsh. be that harsh. The tracks fit way too well the scenes and the hand-painted decors to uh, really uh, eclipse it. Yeah. I got a lot of love for this track, and I mentioned that I wish Yasunori Mitsuda would make more, and there's been, like, not so much rumors, but there's been this, like, someone at some point at Square was trying to make Chrono Break, and that always fell through um despite you know more chrono probably being a just a money printer yes um and i wonder if yasunori mitsuda's presence or lack thereof had something to do with why that never came to pass because at some point square released a really bad like retread i guess of at least the combat system called i am setsuna um which uh, let me put it this way if we ever did a uh if we ever did a an episode on bad soundtracks i would be smacking this one down like get a load of this garbage um and i'm just like it's become just so endemic uh so emblematic excuse me um it's just become so emblematic of the Chrono series is this Mitsuda soundtrack because even, you know, Radical Dreamers, you mentioned that one earlier, that was a no-name visual novel that, like, four people have played outside of Japan. And even that had a Mitsuda soundtrack and was unnecessarily good from what little I've heard of it. Yeah, I don't know if he did anything for Square Enix beyond the first Dino Saga. I don't... Oh, no, that... And was that even Square? 
No, Xenosaga was not Square. Monolith. Yes, so even before that. Yeah, huh. possibly Xenogears. Or was Xenogears before Chrono Cross? It was one of those two was the last thing they did for Square, and I think... Uh, Xenogears was before Chrono Cross. Okay, so then Chrono Cross was probably his last soundtrack with Square. Um, yeah, and then he moved on to a certain game named Shadow Hearts, along with uh, Iwata. Right, and then he did work for... I believe he did do some for Xenosaga, though he didn't do the whole soundtrack. Yeah, he did a bit of level 5 here and there. Yep. He did some Monolith. I'd say these are his two main he's done. go-to places. He, I mean, he's he's back in the Xeno series with Xenoblade. Uh, Xenoblade 2, specifically. Yeah. Um, I think he did, like, one song for Xenoblade 1, and I think it was, like, the credits theme. Which I kind of don't count, because, you know, that was more of a licensed track for yeah, Hire yeah. than it was, like, part of a game Guess soundtrack. Appearance. Also, he was one of the contributors of Kid Icarus Uprising, which is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time for one of my most underrated game ever, so... They really yay. need to re-release that one. I really want to play that one. Preferably with a control scheme for human hands, please. That would probably be nice, I think. I don't know, I haven't played it, but I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah, no, he's he's just... They had to release a stand because you couldn't, at the same time, move the character handle the camera, and uh, keep the 3DS, like, upright. What? Oh, fun. Yeah. Uh... Uh, okay. I was not <laughs> made aware of... Okay. I like when Nintendo gets creative with their controls, but there's a limit. There's a limit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget, these are also the minds behind the Virtual Boy, so for everything they do right, they do something equally wrong. And the N64 controller. What a mess of a controller that was. We don't have three hands, guys. Chill. <laughs> anyway, more Yasunori Mitsuda would be good. Yes. Preferably on a real Chrono game and not a weird knockoff like I Am Setsuna. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's move on back to sci-fi, I guess. Uh, this time with Surviving Mars. With Pretty realistic sci-fi, close to yeah. us, I'd say. Yeah, Hard sci-fi is fairly, yeah. fairly down to earth, even though it's not on Earth. Um, <laughs> ha! Yay! I did a funny. Except it wasn't funny. Um, it was kind of funny. I could open my window and let you hear the crickets. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, <laughs> Surprising yeah. mass. This game, it's, uh, it's supposedly uh, one of those survival builders. Because you have to deal with resources and keeping people alive on Mars and whatnot. You're building the first colony. But it's just so chill. The soundtrack is even more chill, and uh, we we brought a, a track uh, called HP H three PO four. The entire soundtrack is basically chemical compounds, as written chemically, like H O O and C O two, and yes, those two also are tracks in the soundtrack. Uh, the, the entire thing uh, I find lovely. Uh, it's Sort of a mixture of, of synth wave like 
sounds with uh, acoustic instruments mostly the piano sometimes uh, other other instruments as well i, I believe there's a, a track with a clarinet uh, there's some violins on occasion it, it's just very pretty to me and it really grabs that vibe of you are in space you are away from earth but you are chilling not facing constant danger even though it does have an expansion that does that a bit of danger if i recall correctly yeah now to first answer a question i'm sure many people will have after uh, you mentioned the name of the tracks uh, h3po4 is the chemical formula for sulfuric acid wait no phosphoric acid phosphoric acid yes phosphoric acid uh, wow, chemistry um, jokes, I like it. Yeah. And uh, as far as this track goes, yeah, there is, uh, as the main actor, the piano, but there's also these pretty light uh, uh, synth bass line, sort of, uh, which has this very ascension sort of movement that's... Uh, I've, it kind of reminds me of uh, another city builder, which is Anno uh, 2070. Right. Uh, in part because I believe they both in these kind of tracks try to uh, give out a feeling of uh, utopia in, in being built, which is a kind of one of the aim in this game. I'd say that's fair. I, I haven't played that particular game in the Anno franchise, despite being uh, a fan of that franchise. But uh, I, I think that's a fair, fair assessment on the the vibe that you get from the Surviving Mars soundtrack. It it does have some extra radios uh, that they also release as soundtrack yes. later. But as as far as the main soundtrack goes, it does really have that vibe that. Uh, Things are calm because you know you are building uh, the next big step in in how we live. Right. There's also at least two other ways uh, this track fits and uh, works so well. Uh, one of them is a meta level, which is that city builders without any immediate danger are chill to play. And uh, I think this helps uh, with that. It kind of accompanies you, especially at this early stage. And that's my second point, which is that in this game, uh, you basically have several phases you have to go through to uh, uh, expand uh, your uh, building of this colony. And the first phase is uh, mostly robot-based preparation which is even more relaxing than the others, because unlike the settling humans that eventually come, robots don't need to eat and can just recharge, so you can take as much time as you need without needing to pause or consider the balance of uh, moods and hunger and needs and the likes, and you can just build and prepare the colony however you want. 
And that's a truck that's pretty much perfect to get you in that kind of mood. And the robots do not procreate, which, yes, is a mechanic, and yes, it can screw up your colony when humans do it too much. Very much so. So I have a take I'm not sure y'all are going to like about this track, and that is this doesn't seem chill to me, like, at all. This actually seems very kind of tense and foreboding. Hmm. Like, I heard this and I'm just like, I don't feel like chilling. I feel like something's about to go wrong. I can kinda get that, but I think... I think the baseline can be ambivalent for this. Yeah. Yeah, I think when the, the strings come in, in particular, um, at around, I think, a minute and a half, it breaks that tension really well to me. I think from that point onwards, it really becomes that uh, you're building a utopia thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely get that. The back half of the song probably feels a lot less like thing, but it's still set up by that first half, which really feels like... I feel like something's about to explode. Well, that's the population once you're human won't stop procreating. <laughs> Now Galen won't be able to cut that part. <sighs> I could try. <laughs> I can I can be creative with my edits. I can figure a way around that. The fun we have when our sound editor is also a host. I'm trying to keep this PG-13, guys. Hey, that was way more PG-13 than what I first wanted to say. Yeah, no, I was probably thinking it too. <laughs> we used the scientific term this time. You did. Which is suitable for this game. Can Very we fitting. please move on now to a different yes. even part of this topic? Like, I don't mind sticking with this topic, but this is a conversation that needs to not continue. Yes, this yeah. cannot continue. But yeah, uh... A shout out to the, the composer. Uh, I believe it's George Stretzov. It's pronounced. Okay. Um, it, the entire soundtrack is sort of like like this. It's uh, it has a bit of a, a deep bass, a bit of a foreboding thing, because you are building the first colony on Mars ever uh, in the game. But it also has that utopic side of things. And yeah, I suppose there is the small matter of no breathable air outside of your domes. Pretty much. Uh, I, I was waiting uh, so long for the soundtrack to come on streaming services because it wasn't available for a long time. Uh, I think it got released on streaming this year and the game's, I think, two or three years old at this point. So yeah. I'm very happy with that. Speaking of games that are two or three years old... Hmm. Uh, You're well, stuck with our own point today. Kind of. Thank you. Uh, so, there is... Uh, there was a time where two games came out simultaneously. Uh, two 2D uh, platformer games. Uh, one was Iconoclast and was one was Celeste. And I thought, you know what? I... Whether give my time to Iconoclast 
it seems more appealing to me. It was not the most popular choice <laughs> because boy is Celeste popular. Yeah. Uh, Iconoclast, not bad by any means, but definitely a bit more obscure in today's uh, general mindset. If it makes you feel any better or not, or I don't know, I this is I don't think I remember this game, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Celeste itself, so it's this uh, platformer where you're going through a variety of levels with a little bit of story, nice balance, mm -hmm. and uh, once you're done with the main level and have found the appropriate cassette tape, you have the B-side level, right? which are essentially remixed version of the levels with remixed version of their tracks. Yep, and there's a seaside later, which is even harder. Exactly. Uh, and this one is just one of my favorites. It takes this kind of mm, occult, tense, very dark track and turns it into this reasonably high-paced... It's probably one of the fastest tracks uh, for this episode. Mm. Uh, but uh, that also has this very calm air to it. Uh, it's not the kind of chill like the corner cross track where you just want to sit around and uh, uh, watch the waves float by. It's more about uh, the kind of chill that you have in the background when you're doing something else when you want to. Only half focus, sort of, because uh, that track is. Uh, I mean, first I should say uh, it's uh, the a remix of the original track by Lena Rain, made by Tumelo. There we go, and uh, it's very. Um, I mean, it's got. Steps it evolves a lot throughout uh, the uh, the course of uh, this music. And, I, I uh, think the the intro to me, um, speaking of the various steps it has, the intro kind of sounded a bit to me uh, like uh, like it could belong in a neo noir sort of thing, except it swapped a saxophone for a synthesized horn. Uh, yeah, that. Uh, it kept that sort of noir piano, just a bit more fast paced. Yeah, I could definitely see the synth being used as a saxophone substitute. Yeah, yeah, that was that was actually the impression I got as well. That certainly worked, and uh, it's got a little bit of beat, but it never really takes you out of it. You're just going along the changes in the music while being along for the ride. Yep. Um, yeah, overall, most of the calm tracks have this stillness to it, this relaxing stillness, but stillness nonetheless. That one is more of a kinetic track. Uh, but also still with this calm impression and that's part of why I picked it. Because it's different, but still has this ultimately chill vibe. 
Yeah, I think uh, when the the beat comes up uh, around, I think a quarter of the track in, yeah. into it, uh, it sort of reminds me more of uh, I don't know what the genre is called, but there's a very chill genre of electronic music uh, that a lot of independent artists artists go for, which I also listen to a lot at, uh, at night. It's it has a beat, but it's not there for you to dance, and it's not fast, so it's like a bike again. The way you the way you're describing kind of make me feel of lo-fi, except I don't really see it in this case. Lo-fi is just lo such a weird statement because, generally speaking, things that are called lo-fi are definitely not. They're very slickly produced. They're just yes, quiet. You know, it's not not lo-fi uh, hip-hop. It's I, I think the genre is related to trance, but it's more slow-paced. Yeah. Uh, uh, the genre I'm thinking of. Uh, I have a few examples that I listen to, but uh, I, I don't know the genre's name. I really should look it up. But it, it's that sort of... It has a beat, but the, the beat just sort of there just to add more texture than really move things forward necessarily. Yes. Yeah. So it, it fits really well. It's a nice track to listen to at night. Like for this one, honestly, the drums... Uh, I mean, they eventually do take over the beat, but I'd say that for the beginning of the track in particular, it's the piano that uh, sets the pace more than anything else. Yeah, yeah I could definitely count the beat of the song with the piano. Yeah, yeah. It's more of a harmony I, I think line, piano, but yeah. I think the, the, the melody being played on the piano uh, is actually a note per beat. So I could actually count the beat with the piano uh, when the uh, drum machine, I guess, uh, comes in. I think it's uh, on the two and the four. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I could definitely count the beat uh, without the the drum machine. Now then, shall we move on to the beating heat of the desert? Sure, no, I like this one chill a lot. Out. Yeah. yeah, we've mentioned before Assassin's Creed, and we've mentioned before Jesper Kid, and most people, when they think of Assassin's Creed, they think of Jesper Kid, and the next track is Assassin's Creed, but it's not Jesper Kid. So yeah, the the next track it's from uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, which is set in uh, Hellenic Egypt, and the soundtrack does have very uh Jesper Kid esque feels to it, I'd say. Jesper Kid esque vibes. But the composer uh is actually uh Sarah Schachner, I believe it's pronounced. And the track is I pronounce it Schachner, but she is American, so I don't know personally. Yeah, I I'm just reading it as if it was German because my surname is German, so I kinda know how those surnames go. Anyway. The the track in question is uh, Nomads of the White Desert, and it can be a bit contentious to call this track uh, chill, as with a couple of the others we've 
brought up today because all Assassin's Creed soundtracks, save for maybe a couple of them, have this dark synth that permeates the tracks to rem kind of remind you of the Animus thing, I, I guess. So, so it's not not the sort of stuff that everyone can chill to. Yeah, and say. eventually, after the midway point, it definitely has a, a bit more of that darker vibe. Yeah, it sort of comes and goes uh, in every track in the, the game. Yeah. Uh, but this track in particular, it's one of the many tracks that can play when you are just roaming either the cities or the desert in the game. And th the name kind of implies it, you know, Nomads of the White Desert. And Assassin's Creed Origins has lots and lots of amazing looking dunes. Uh, the lighting is pretty gorgeous. But it goes well yes, with that. One thing I add though about the title and how it reflects on the track is that it's not an empty desert. There's people there. It's got it's not just the arid desolate death hit plains of nothingness. There's life there somewhere. A civilization around. Yeah, I'd say uh, a couple vibes I, I also get from this track in particular, uh, especially compared to the others, uh, the other tracks that play when you're exploring. Uh, this one is one of, I think, two or three tracks that have quite a bit of reverb, which kind of plays into uh, the, the heat strokes that you can get game you can start seeing things that aren't real like scarabs falling from the skies and mirages in the distance and ghostly characters showing up to you but doing nothing uh, kind of plays into that uh, sort of you don't know if uh, you can trust your uh, senses thing with the reverb uh, mm, and I can see that additionally there's there's a bit of a movement to this track, I'd say, uh, which kind of makes me think of you actually being on a camel, which you, you can ride camels in the game. Uh, kind of makes me think of you being on a camel as you explore the desert. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say that... Uh, I mean, I mentioned before that uh, uh, a la fair amount of uh, chill tracks to set up a scene in their place, and this one is definitely uh, the one that fits the bill the most. Like, it's about the environment, the desert, and uh, I think that in itself uh, takes you uh, on a bit of a travel course. Yeah, I think the uh, there's a bit into it uh, that has a very ethereal uh, singer. Yes. A female voice. That one also uh, plays a lot into the emptiness of the desert, I would say. I can almost hear it as as if it was an echo from a distance. Um, one of the things that I noticed about this, and it actually tends to avoid a lot of the traditional desert instruments... Yes, I noticed that as well. Which yeah, the game the game actually uses uh, some of those more traditional ones. There are tracks with it well, because yeah, but this song doesn't. That's what I'm talking about right now. Yeah, 
yeah this song is it's very uh let's say it's, it's heavy on the synths and yet it does get across the feeling of being in a desert somehow yes but most more importantly and i think that's why i like this uh as uh, something that that's very unique for desert track uh it's pre-arabic desert which is a different kind of era and a different kind of sound yep even i am glad one. we're in agreement bike man <laughs> good lord <laughs> but yeah the i think it does get across that uh hellenic egypt vibe really well uh the entire soundtrack does to be honest even if a lot of the tracks do that by association because they sound a lot like uh, movies about cleopatra that we might have seen in the past but still the 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 ambiance is there and this this track in particular is pretty much 100 ambiance it definitely feels a bit less uh, melodically structured and thus more ambient than some of the other tracks we've talking about and in particular a lot less so than the track we're going to talk about next which is uh, the city ruins from neo Automata. yeah um this was kind of one of the most obvious picks for me and in fact it was so obvious that right after i picked it too yeah you cut it i ended up picking it by complete coincidence there's this common refrain that picking the obvious choice doesn't make it bad and it isn't exactly. it's obvious for a reason yeah because it's very good it is <laughs> very good um i've made no secret of my love for keiichi okabe and monaka's music when they're allowed to do their thing this is a case where they're really allowed to do their thing in this case i definitely prefer the janique nicole version over the emmy evans vocals but man, this song is just smooth. And yes, there's a little bit of tension there. It's it's a post-apocalyptic environment, but a it's a very different one um, than the kind you're used to, I think. Yes. In that people are largely self-sufficient. And this was true of the first game as well. It's not really a like scavenger thing. It's not really a constant threat of destruction, at least in regards to that sort of way. I think one of the things that plays the most into it is the first time you actually hear it, or some variation of it anyway, because there's uh, multiple variations of the song yeah. throughout the game. And most of, them, um, like, most of them don't play. That made Overworld is actually very quiet for most of the game, which actually was a big yeah. complaint I had about it, to be perfectly honest with you. Exactly. Uh, uh, but the first time where it's very can fits the most, because at this early point in the game, when you're done doing like two shooter sequences in a row and uh, you've done exploding multiple giant robots in a facility mm -hmm. and running around everywhere, you being, well, you're dropped into this uh, uh, empty, this city of ruins and there are a few machines, but they don't even react to you no attack yep. at first. And it's just this. It's very peaceful, just very haunting song in all the right ways. Yes. It 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 
it reminds me a little bit of like almost British trip hop like Enya, but not as not as ethereal. Like it's still a lot more towards the mainstream side of things with those elements kind of sprinkled in. In a way, it's kind of strange that it ends up being so calm given the pace of Neo Automata's action when you do eventually get fighting the robots yeah, in um, this area. Well, I mean, that's platinum for you. They they really like doing the like really frenetic action sequences. And yes, this game is def this song is definitely in contrast to that gameplay type. But at the same time, I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. One of the point, anyway. Yeah, I, I also, think, I, I think I, there's an intentional dichotomy there. And the thing is that I do see another point, uh, but talking about it would be spoilers. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Not for that game. Yes. That's one of, the, that's one of those games where the spoilers are kind of sacrosanct. We're not doing that. Yes. I was going to say that, if I recall correctly, uh, this track actually plays um, when you perceive grass and actual plants in the world yes too, yep which also has adds to the the vibe yes i believe actually that it goes to the point where i'm not 100 percent sure i'd need to uh, replay it to uh, uh make sure but i believe you land in the area where eventually the music plays but at first you need to get out of the parking garage to get outside of it and then the music starts Yep, I, I believe think, that's how it goes. Yeah, I think so. I, I've played the game a little bit. I I went slightly past that part. Platinum games are hard for me, so I haven't finished this game. But I, that sounds right to me. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm not mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So yeah, it really kind of underlines the fact that even though it's uh ruined uh, place, it's not an entirely dead place. Yep. It plays into the beauty of, of nature, even if nature is taking over what, what was once human land, let's say. It plays into the beauty of seeing nature thrive like that. Yeah. And uh, much like the first near, the local animals will mess you up if you're not careful. Oh, yeah, no, that deer knows how to murder an android five ways and back. Mm -hmm. I died to that thing a few times. <laughs> Everybody did. It's surprisingly hard to parry. It doesn't have any tell the way robots do. Yep. And I'd be very worried if it did. Yep. <laughs> oh. I do not want robotic deers in my world. Uh. Apropos of nothing, I'm remembering um, a text let's play from the Dark Id of the first Nier, of Nier Gestalt, and yeah. the dude is like, oh, I just have to hunt some ghosts, this seems like an easy side quest, gets instantly annihilated with the, uh, <laughs> with this, like, gif of just, like, the scariest looking deer on the, uh, sorry, scariest looking <laughs> goat on the planet, and he's like, what just happened? <laughs> yes. Speaking of, I, I considered before coming to uh, picking this track, 
I considered uh, the planes track from near first before concluded that it was too alive and too jaunty. Uh, yeah, that one right really thoughts, has a sense of adventure to it, though. Hills of Radiant yes. Wind is legit one of my favorite songs of all time, and if I haven't talked about it's it amazing. yet, I need to. It's amazing, it's great, but it's not nearly as chill no. as this one is. No, certainly not. That's why I gravitate towards this one immediately. I didn't even consider Hills of yes. Radiant Wind, much as I love that song. Yeah, no, that one has a sense of adventure, while this one has a sense of... Mm, There's a somberness Maybe a bit of contemplation. Contemplation, I like that. Yeah, sort of a, a somber uh, wonder, I'd say. Somber, but not sad. Yeah. No, no, it's just you, you're you looking with wonder at the world for the first time in the game, and it's a bit somber, but things aren't sad or horrible. It's, you're looking at the past, you're looking at ruin, and it adds a somber element to it. Still, Bike very relaxing, very comfortable song, regardless. Yes. Well, that is about all the time we have. I hope you all have had a relaxing time listening to us talk about relaxing music. I still don't have an outro. Eddie, we've got to work on an outro. Chill out, man. Yeah.